0: It's a very special holiday edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. Trana asking Trana about the New York Giants and NFL. That's coming your way next.
1: You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Today's episode of the Lock on Giants Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked on Giants Podcast, part of the Lock on Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana I'm your host. And happy Friday to everybody. hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And on today's Locked On Giants podcast, we're going to do something special, something that I've never done before. I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but I'm really excited to do this. Since the holidays are a time for good food, family, friends, I've invited my younger brother Michael onto the show today. Michael is a football fan. He is the one I always refer to as the Chiefs fan, but he is going to talk to me today about the New York Giants. He's got some questions he wants to ask me. So first off, Michael, great to see you on the podcast, man.
1: Well, thanks for having me there. Happy Thanksgiving to all your fans there, as well as to yourself there. How is your Thanksgiving so far? So far, so
0: good. A lot of good food, good family, uh, good friends and everything like that. So um Hopefully this weekend will be some good football. We'll have to see, of course, with the New York Giants, but um, we'll see. All right, so what we're going to do today, just so everybody knows, uh, Michael's got a list of questions, some related to the Giants, some I think related specifically to my career and stuff like that, little little things. He's going to ask me these, so he's going to be the interviewer. I'm going to be the interviewee, but it's all about the Giants, so don't worry, don't turn off the program yet. It's all about the Giants. So, Michael, whenever you're ready, let's let's roll.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I kind of like look at when you're talking about, you know, the New York Giants there, it's the things that nobody really sees. And one of the things in particular there is like the culture within the locker room. Like when you go down there, either if it's like before the game or after the game, or even if it's after a practice, what's the culture like? Like, are are they a a cohesive group or is there like any animosity or anything that goes on? Like what's the vibe?
0: I think the vibe is pretty strong, actually. You know, look, they're, they're a group of players, different backgrounds, different interests and whatnot. But at the end of the day, they're all into football. They're all into supporting each other. They're all into, you know, trying to make each other the best player they, they can be. So, you know, during the week, the media gets roughly 45 minutes on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as a rule. And then, of course, we've got access to the locker room after a game. From what I've been able to gather during the week, Pretty tight group. You see guys playing ping pong or putting, you know, they have like a putting green, they have chess tables set up. You see guys huddled together at their lockers talking, whether it be about ball or about life, you see guys joking around with each other, you know, and and, and then there's a back area of the locker room, which media is not allowed into, but uh, I, you know, we saw it when the building opened up. So we're kind of familiar with what it looks like. And a lot of guys go in the back there and they, You know, they hang out, whether it be in the whirlpool, the hot tub, whether it be, you know, if they're on the training, trainers table, um, you see a lot of guys eating lunch together. I mean, I've walked past that lunchroom many times on the way back from the locker room and you have seen guys sitting together having lunch. So I would say overall, the culture in the locker room is a positive one. You don't have really guys, you know, snipping at each other, backstabbing each other, um, you know going off the record to talk badly about this guy or that guy or anything like that. It's a very positive culture. And the rookies in particular, the young guys really lean on the older guys for their experience on how to prepare for the game, how to take care of themselves and how to just really, you know, be the best version of themselves that they can be.
1: That's interesting there, because, you know, when you talk about that, when, when you see like how the, uh, the Giants basically are like, you know, brothers in arms sort of speak there. You know, it's sort of like gives you like a little bit of a flavor that they are like always looking to try to make each other better, or they give them playful ribbing and all that stuff. There, that kind of like speaks a little little bit of way to like you know the personality as to uh, whether or not there may or may not be a current New York Giant that could possibly be a good coach one fine day. Do you see anybody on this roster that could do that?
0: Well, coaching involves a lot of hours and a lot of sacrifice. But that being said, I could see a guy like maybe Sterling Shepard, who's coming to the end of his career. Being a coach. Now, last year when Sterling Shepard was injured, he hung around the team. He wanted to be there for his teammates. He's coaching guys up. He was on the sidelines, waving the towel, being the cheerleader and everything like that. That has not changed. And it, it's kind of interesting because the rookie receiver, Jalen Hyatt, his locker is in between Daniel Jones's and Sterling Shepard's. And Sterling is constantly talking to him. I see them all the time chat, you know, chit chatting. Um, I've gone up to Sterling because Sterling's my guy. I've known Sterling since he's. You know, came to the Giants, obviously, I get along well with him. And, you know, we just talk. Sometimes the three of us will talk. You know, a lot of times it's just Jalen picking Sterling's brain. But I think Sterling would be a guy who maybe, you know, can transition into coaching. I don't know necessarily right away because his children are still kind of on the young side, but maybe he transitions into sort of like a front office role where he's kind of like a consultant, sort of like what Eli Manning does a little bit, sort of like what Jesse Armstead did for a little while. You know, some, a role like that. And then, you know, decide if that's what you want to do, because again, coaching is a long, long, long day and not a lot of time for your family, not a lot of time for your friends or your social life or whatever. It does require a commitment. I do think Sterling could be that guy and can, and, you know, can, can commit to that, but you know, he's got to determine if that's something he really wants to do.
1: Okay, no, that's fair enough there. Because, you know, like when you talk about it from the standpoint of, you know, football being a very long day and all that stuff, and you mentioned family as well there. First thing that always comes to my mind is uh, Mr. You know Tommy DeVito there. And, you know, he had a really good game on uh, Sunday against the Commanders there. And the thing that's kind of very interesting about him, and I kind of want to get your take on it, because, you know, there's always been like that talk where they talk, where you hear everybody saying, tank the season there and all that stuff there. But, Let's assume that you know Tommy. You know puts together a really solid you know second half of the season there, and uh, his numbers are really good there. And and all of a sudden the Giants are like, well, you know, what, maybe we don't need another quarterback in in the draft here. Maybe this guy is you know the answer there, the successor, if you will, to Daniel Jones. But in going with that particular question, th- th- does is there even a realistic chance, in your opinion, that Daniel Jones would have serious competition where you could see a world potentially where Tommy DeVito? Uh, you know, uh, edges him out on uh, the QB1 position?
0: No, I don't think so. I mean, first off with Daniel Jones, when is he going to be ready? He just had ACL surgery on Wednesday. So he's looking at eight to 10 months recovery time. And, you know, that's the first question you've got to figure out is when is he going to be ready? Is he going to be ready for the start of the season? You know, how's his rehab going to go? With regards to Tommy DeVito, Look, I give him a world of credit. I'll be honest. When he first came to the Giants last uh, this past spring, I was not impressed by what I saw with by him. And he got better and better and better. That being said, I think a realistic projection for Tommy DeVito is probably QB2 because you look at the quarterback situation next year. Tyrod Taylor is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Tommy DeVito, you know, if he continues to look good, and this weekend against the New England Patriots, this is going to be a big test for him. So, if Tommy DeVito looks good against the Patriots and he doesn't get flummoxed by Belichick's defense, which has been known to, you know, confuse a uh, a young quarterback, um, I could see a case where DeVito maybe has an opportunity to move up to QB two. I also think now again, this is all contingent on where Daniel Jones ends up in his rehab, let's assume that Daniel Jones is ready to start next year. You know um, I think they're going to give him an opportunity to regain the starting job, regardless of what they do in the draft. I do think that the giants are going to have to add another quarterback in the draft. Now it's all going to depend on where they end up drafting. You know, do they get a top five spot? Do they get into the top three or do they say to themselves, you know what, we can get a decent quarterback later in the draft in round two, round three, I mean, because, you know, the the Commanders, Dallas, the Eagles, they all got their franchise quarterbacks outside of the first round. So a lot of uncertainty there. But to your original question with DeVito, I think right now the next logical step is for him to maybe show that he could be a QB2. And, you know, it's going to depend. If the Giants bring in a a draft pick, um, then the battle becomes between the draft pick and Daniel Jones and the runner-up will probably be QB2 which means DeVito will be QB three. And who knows, maybe at that point, if that's how that works out, they trade DeVito, you know, to a team that needs a quarterback and is willing to continue developing him. So that's a really interesting question, but I think one that we need to continue to play out. Hey, Giant fans, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, the payouts are quick and everything is done securely. There's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over/unders and much more. So visit fanduel.com/lockedon today and score big this NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Hey, Giant fans, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lock On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national 24 7 sports streaming channel all right everybody welcome back to locked on giants i'm your host patricia Trana, and we have a special edition of the locked On giants podcast something we have never done before my guest is my brother michael Trana, who uh is also a football f- he's a football fan uh likes the kansas city chiefs why i don't know but <laughs> that's another story for another day and what hey, we are doing out. if you just <laughs> okay. And what we are doing uh, in case you're just now tuning in is Michael's got a list of questions that he worked up to ask me. So it's kind of like a reverse interview. So I hope you're enjoying it. And as always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Or if you watch on YouTube, your first watch of the day. All right, Michael, what else you got for me?
1: I wanted to follow up on that uh, last question I have, if you don't mind there. You know, you mentioned about where would the Giants uh, finish there in the draft? Or would they take a quarterback? But one scenario that wasn't mentioned there is, is there a possibility that they would trade up? And if so, how would you think that they can get a higher draft pick? With
0: Could they trade up? Yes. I think it's going to depend again on where they finish in the draft order. I think at this point, it's probably not a stretch to say the Giants are going to finish in the top 10. You know, unless they go on a tear the rest of the year, which I just don't see happening with two games coming up against the Eagles, a game against the uh, Saints. Um, You know, I wouldn't necessarily say that the New England game is a slam dunk, to be honest with you. Um, So we have to see how it all plays out. But do remember that the Giants did acquire an extra second round pick in the Leonard Williams trade. So if they wanted to move up and they were within striking distance, so let's say the Giants were drafting fifth or sixth or seventh, Maybe they package up one of those second round picks to move up to get the quarterback that they want. You know, I don't know if they would do that. You know, I don't know. To be honest with you, I'd have to go through the roster and I'd have to say, okay, where else are the big glaring needs? And do they necessarily want to give up draft capital to get a quarterback? But I do think quarterbacks is going to be a, a priority in, one, in some way, shape, or form. But they also need an edge rusher because they're very lacking in depth there. They need offensive line help. I think they could probably use another cornerback, you know, to fill out that depth. So it's really going to depend, I guess, on what happens in free agency. I always tell people, let's go through free agency and see how everything fills out. But, yes, I do think the Giants could potentially trade up if they're in the top 10 and there's a quarterback that they really, really, really believe in.
1: So when you talk about also um, the the draft, since we are talking about that, thinking about, like, present players that uh, the, the Giants just recently drafted that may or may not be with the team there? Is there like, do you, you look at it from a standpoint of maybe that there's really is just ready to burst out and be like that, that uh, you know, franchise changing player? And similar uh, to that particular question, you know, Giants that are no longer the team that were drafted. Was there like, in your pink Giant that was uh, drafted that they just gave up on too rapidly?
0: All right, so the first part of your question is, is there a Giant player ready to break out, right? So I would say probably Mr. Tibbs, Mr. Tibbs, Kayvon Thibodeau. He has 10 and a half sacks. I think he's only two sacks behind the league leader entering this week's game, week, week 12's games. Um, he's rounding out into a very nice acquisition for the Giants, um, turning into the player that I think they all hoped that he would become. So, yeah, he's definitely, you know, on the verge of a breakout. Um, I think, you know, Jalen Hyatt was the guy everybody was looking to be on the verge of a breakout. Not really there yet for a variety of reasons, but I think down the line he could have a a pretty strong future here. I really like that kid and his game. Um, As far as guys that they might have given up on too soon, if you're talking draft picks, And I know I'm going to catch flack for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm going to say Davis Webb, the quarterback that they had, um, you know, years ago. Now, Davis Webb, uh, they drafted him. I think he was a fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, He came in and he never really got a chance to even compete, in my opinion, to be like a QB two. So, you know, and then, you know, they had a change in coaching staff. I think, um, you know, they, they brought in a new coaching staff. And, and suddenly Davis Webb was cut because the coaching staff maybe didn't see him as a fit. So I'm not saying Davis Webb would have gone on to necessarily have an all-star career or a solid career. But, you know, I, I never thought that he was horrible. I thought there was always something there to work with. I mean, he was smart as a whip, um, just an amazing football mind. And, and today, you, you know, because obviously your wife is a Denver Bronco fan, but he's working with Russell Wilson out there at, in Denver. And Russell Wilson now is enjoying a resurgence of sorts. So that to me is 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 a good sign, you know, that Davis Webb, you know, has a good football mind now. Did he have the skills and stuff? We didn't really get a big sample size of that for whatever the reason, but that's a guy I, I always thought the Giants gave up on too quickly of of their recent draft class.
1: So shifting gears a bit here, if you were to give like uh off the off the top of your head answer to the most overrated and underrated head coach in the NFL, who would you and Oh,
0: wow. That's a tough one. Um, overrated. I'm going to go with Nick Sirianni of the Eagles. And no, this has nothing to do with any dislike of the Eagles. He just has a really, really good roster. I mean, a really good and deep roster. So, you know, look, I don't want to take credit away from anybody for d- the job they're doing. But Nick Sirianni, you know, if he had the Giants roster, could he be doing what he, what he's doing with Philadelphia? If he had any other roster, you know, outside of, say, Kansas City's or, you know, maybe even Buffalo's, could he be doing what he's doing? I don't know about that. So I would say in terms of overrated, I would put him at the top of the list. Um, I might put Mike McCarthy of Dallas in there because Mike McCarthy, really, what has he done since he won the one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? Um, Underrated, I think Doug Peterson down in Jacksonville is probably at the top of the list. Because Jacksonville's not a team that a lot of people talk about as a potential, you know, powerhouse. And they have made a tremendous stride since Peterson was hired. So I don't think he gets enough kudos for the job that he's doing out there.
1: Then, you know, one of the things that I would ask you there is like if you're looking at from the standpoint of the things that you love about being a reporter for the New York Times, also the things you don't like.
0: The things I like okay, the things I like most. Well, obviously, you know, you know, I always liked to write as a kid. Um, I, I would write all kinds of different things, stories, poems. Um, I, I, I'm just, you know, I think it, it was something I was always decent at. So if you're good at it, why not try and make a living off of it? So I like it because it gives me an opportunity to sit with different people, to talk to them, to get to know them to get to learn from them. I think that's very important that you learn from the people you interview. You don't go in with an attitude that you know everything or you're going to put somebody on trial and grill them or anything like that. The thing I don't like about um, the job, and I've said this before, I don't like to transcribe because it can take a long time. Although I do cheat. I have programs that I use now to help me with that. Um, I don't like when the team loses because it makes my life harder. Because how many different ways can you say the same thing? Um, But, you know, look, you take the ups and the downs. It's like with any job, you take the ups with the downs and you do the best you can. And I I feel very fortunate that, you know, to, to come the way that I have, to break into the business basically as a freelancer, get the opportunities that I've had. And I'm eternally grateful for, you know, those that read me over on Giants Country and those who listen to me on the Locked on Giants podcast. It's just a tremendous honor. And, uh, you know, it, I'm having a great time. And as long as I'm having a great time and people still, you know, appreciate the content I deliver, I'll keep uh, bringing it out. Hey, Giant fans, if you want to secure tickets to your favorite concert shows and sporting events without the stress, you need to check out Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets right up until the day of the event. With amazing deals on last-minute tickets and their best prices guaranteed, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. With game time, you not only get the lowest prices guaranteed, you also get clear images of seat views and event cancellation protection. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go ahead and snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Terms apply. Again, that promo code is Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to segment three of Locked On Giants. I'm Patricia Trana. He's my brother, Michael, my younger brother, Michael, and he's doing, you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving friends of uh, food family friends we figured we would do a family style podcast on the lockdown giants podcast, something like to get you into the you know to send you into the weekend before the giants take on the new england patriots on sunday one o'clock MetLife stadium and i of course will have all that you need to know uh we'll have a reaction show after that and then next week the bye week i've got Shows taped for you guys, ready to go. We've got the injury show that I've been promising you. We've got a draft show. We've got my airing of grievances in honor of Seinfeld, the great Seinfeld episode, the airing of grievances. So we got so much stuff coming up. I can't wait to share it with you guys. Let's get back to the the Q&A with my brother who is asking me questions. He's putting me on the spot for a change on this podcast.
1: It's a football festive miracle. I think what you're talking about there. (laughs) Exactly. About from the standpoint there of the most favorite memory that you had covering the Giants or being a fan of the Giants before you started uh, writing, or even the least favorite one where it makes you like, ah, oh, I don't even want to talk about that. Not that I would ever needle you on that, mind you. What would those be?
0: The well, Let me start with the least favorite. Any losing season, they are tough to go through. I think a lot of fans think that the media loves to smell the blood in the water and go after them. I don't. I would much rather write about a winning team than a losing team. To me, again, there's only so many ways you can say that a team is bad. And I run, I I worry about running out of ways to do that. So, you know, I won't give you a specific season, but take your pick. There's been plenty of them, you know, over the last decade or so. My favorite memories are actually the Super Bowls. Now there was obviously 2007. That Super Bowl run was amazing. That's probably my all-time favorite. But you know what? Else? I'm going to share a, a personal story because you were involved in it. You and I went to Super Bowl 25, I believe. Correct. Buffalo, the, the Norwood uh, wide right. And that was quite an adventure. And, you know, that was our first Super Bowl. My My first one going at, at the time, I was a fan. You were a fan. And we decided to make the trip. And we made the trip. And we had a good, a, a grand old time, as I recall.
1: Yeah, it was very good there because to put to set the stage there, we were in the two-yard line, I believe. It was in the end zone where Scott Norwood was kicking the field goal. So we were, our perspective was we knew it had the distance, but we didn't know if it was straight. So everybody just focused right on the referee at that point there. And when the ref said no good, we were like, oh, my God. And then we went crazy on the drive. We were safe, mind you on uh, I-4, heading back to the hotel there. But it was by far one of the greatest memories. And also in addition to that, one of the greatest uh, national anthems that we ever heard. Mm.
0: Whitney. Whitney Houston sang the national anthem. And I remember you know, when Scott Norwood uh, lined up to kick that field goal, I couldn't look. I remember we were sitting. I was on the aisle. They had um, bleachers. They didn't really have seats at back in, in, in that stadium. I was on the aisle. And I remember getting out of the aisle. And I crouched down. And I was kind of like praying. I was. I wouldn't watch it. I was actually watching a section of the stands that I knew was was consisted of giant fans, and I was looking for their reaction. And when I saw them jump up and go, "Yeah!" I said, "Oh my god, he missed it!" And then, of Mm -hmm. course, I saw the miss on. You know, we saw the replay of it, and I was like, "Wow, they won! I can't believe it! Oh, that was awesome!"
1: I was lucky there. I was very concerned, but you know, since you are talking about, let me change it up a little bit on you here. What about the? Most ideal Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, you know, about that where they always say, you know, we're going to get the, you know, the the, uh, uh, the cream of the crop, if you will, you know, performing in the Super Bowl. And there's always like the debate where people are like that person, or you know, not, not going to. But if you 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 got in Roger Goodell's ear and you said, "I think this should be the Super Bowl Act." Who should it be?
0: Well, I don't think Roger has anything to do with that. But to answer your question, um. I'll tell you what, I liked Prince's Super Bowl. I thought, you know, his halftime show was just, you know, the cream of the crop, you know, of the Super Bowls that I've attended, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, that one stood out to me, but of someone who, you know, of an act that they haven't booked or haven't had, and obviously, you know, this is a legacy act and there's no chance of getting them because a lot of their members are deceased. I wonder what they the Beatles might have done. I think that would have been a cool act, you know, to have maybe in the 70s when, you know, we were growing up as kids. Um, of course, back in the 70s, I think the, the popular act at the time was Up With People. It was it was like this mm-hmm. this group of um, singers and dancers. I think it was called Up With People. But of today's artists, I'm not sure if I have one. Uh, maybe Taylor Swift. I'd like to see what she would do. You know, mm-hmm. she would probably be a, a really big draw for the Super Bowl, but... um. Yeah, I'm. you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, I like music, but my my taste in music kind of stopped with the uh, the 1970s, 1980s. I mean, I'm not really as into today's music as I might have been in the 70s. So, But Taylor Swift, I think, would probably be my dream Super Bowl halftime act.
1: Okay, she'd be mine too there, especially if Kansas City made it to the Super Bowl, because that's a guaranteed win.
0: Oh, right? <laughs> here I'm we go. Saying-
1: I'm not just putting anybody there, but it's like, if you weren't covering football right now, and we're talking like you had uh, from uh, the start of training camp all the way to the Super Bowl, uh, it was free for you. What would you be doing with your time?
0: Probably be writing this novel that I've outlined and I've had ready to go for heavens knows how long. I've got a really, what I think is a really good outline, but I just don't have the time to go in and fill it out. And, you know, look, one of my bucket list items growing up was always to be published, become a published author. And I accomplished that um, when I wrote my book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That That Made the New York Giants. Now, if you had said to me that that would have been the type of book that, that would be my first, I would have said, Nah, it's going to be a novel. But I've always liked doing creative writing. And I've got this, like I said, I've got this idea. And I just always like, you know writing short stories and different voices and stuff like that. I I, and I was good at it in school. I mean, I had a, a published author as a as a professor in, at, at school who used to be amazed at how I could capture these other voices. And she used to always say to me, how are you doing that? Where are you getting these voices? And I'd say, well, I'd pull a little bit from maybe my father, a little bit from my mother, a little bit from what this person, that person. So I would probably want to be doing creative writing, which would kind of be kind of lonely, but you know, to see something come to life and then to hold it in your hands. I remember when I held the manuscript for the big 50 in my hands, I said, and I looked at it and I said, wow, I can't believe I did this. So that's very rewarding. And I think that's what I would probably be doing, but of course I'd have to be making money in the in the interim. So maybe I would go back to, I don't know, resume writing because I always did like helping people with resumes and career coaching and all that stuff. You know, I am trained in that. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I am a trained, and certified resume writer um, and career coach, an interview specialist. So uh, I probably would be doing that to make money in between writing the novel.
1: If, some, if somebody were watching this uh, podcast right now who says, particular I want you to actually uh, coach me, if you will, on how to be a great writer, how to be a great podcaster. What advice would you give them?
0: Well, um, just keep working at it. I mean, look, I still feel like I have room to grow. I'm constantly looking to my peers for feedback on how I can get better. I look to my readers and my listeners on what I can do better. I don't feel like I have reached the top to where you know I'm, I'm the be all, know all. Um, you know, so I, I do get people who ask me for advice, and I just tell them, just keep practicing it. The more you practice, it's like anything, you know, a musical instrument, singing, whatever, acting. The more you practice, the better you're going to get at it. Don't be afraid to take advice from other people. Don't be afraid to ask for advice. And above all, don't be sensitive if somebody gives you harsh criticism, because that's the only way you're going to learn and how you're going to grow.
1: Fair advice there. And also to just finish this up with a very lighthearted question here, I'm going to ask you because it's Thanksgiving. And Because it's the family here, do a Chiefs fan proud. What's your favorite State Farm commercial involving Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? And go.
0: I, I I'm pleading the fifth on that one. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. And on that note, on that note, Giant fans, I hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Locked On Giants podcast. Again, wanted to do something different, something light. Michael, great questions by the way. You did a really good job. You may maybe you've got a future. You know, in, in, in this business, who knows if you want to do that. So anyway, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the Locked On Giants podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you tune in on the next week. Again, we're going to have the review of the Giants Patriots game. And then I've got a whole week's worth of podcasts that you will not want to miss. Draft show, the airing of grievances, a two-part story or two-part podcast on the injury situation. Going to be epic, folks. It's the bye week. And oh, don't forget, Joe Shane is also supposed to talk next week. So we'll have thoughts on that as well. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. For my brother, Michael Trena, I am Patricia Trena. Everybody hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend and enjoy your football.